Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It's Thursday, and you are watching AM to DM. Here's a tweet from Tech Court Trunch reporter Anthony Ha. It's official. Isaac Fitzgerald and Saeed Jones are leaving AM to DM. That's right. That news was announced yesterday. Um, we are so proud of this show. Yeah. This show has been such an incredible thing to help build, to help launch. We've been doing it for almost two years, and it's been a long run. It's been a great joy. Right. This show is going to continue. There's a hunt right now for our replacement host. Let me tell you, I know some of the names on that list. We're not very allowed exciting. to say them, but like, <laughs> I'm like, I would watch that show. Yeah, me too. So it's very excited to see how the show's going to move forward. But for Saeed and I, there are some projects that we have on our plates, and we just decided that it was time to go. Absolutely. Oh, thank you for the applause. Thank you for the applause. Um, yeah, our last day hosting the show will be Friday, May 24th. So, you know, we're not going away just yet. Nope, nope. You're going to see us get to act full for a few more <laughs> weeks, and we're really excited about it, right, that we get to just celebrate um, our time here hosting the show. But also, um, there's only part of the story. I've been at BuzzFeed for six years. Mm -hmm. I started launching BuzzFeed LGBT in 2013. I got to create the culture team here, lead a fellowship. He was the first books editor. Mm -hmm. I was here, I've been here for five years and some change. Yeah. Exact same thing. We've been at this company for a long time, and we're very proud of it. We're proud to be a part of the BuzzFeed News family. But I I mean, over half a decade, that's a decade. that's some time. The thing that I'm going to miss the most is of course the team here that helps make AIM to DM every day and all of you guys who watch it because you all really made this show special. This is one of the first shows where we got feedback from our audience in live time. So I was able to interact with you guys and build relationships with you guys. You were saying some beautiful things yeah. about Kirsten Baptiste Kirsten this morning. Kirsten Baptiste, you know, just, uh, it's one of our viewers and um, we just think so much about you. And, I, I, and Isaac knows in meetings, I'll be like, what would Kirsten think about this or whatever? You know, like being able to think about how the show could connect, for example, to a black woman who lives in Houston, Texas, mm -hmm. is one of the opportunities we've been, been given. Um, also, I just feel like Twitter is a frustrating, um, dangerous at times place right now. The news is overwhelming, often toxic. You all know that. And so I feel to have been given the opportunity to create something of use in the middle of all of this has just been a really huge honor, really fun, um, and it feels like it's been pretty important. And it's gonna be the place I return to when I wanna get my news with a healthy dose of joy. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to becoming a fan. I'm gonna be right out there with you guys, and I'm really excited about that. That said, let's talk about emotional stuff, because yesterday <laughs> was a very emotional day, but you did finally get the chance to watch the Homecoming documentary. Guys, I cried so much. Oh, did you? I cried so much. Oh, I'm so surprised. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Um, you know, we, of course, got to talk to Bolu yesterday about it, but I'll just say, you know, getting to, to see the work um, and, frankly, the sacrifice Beyonce put in to develop uh, the performance is very, very moving um, to see her as a mother just as a person going through something that's really hard. And I, when you see her do her first uh, post-pregnancy rehearsal, I just... I just was that for you? Was that one of the most emotional moments? It was moments? definitely. It was just because I found myself rooting for Beyonce. Mm. Like, like, you can do this. I believe in you. And I never thought that I would thinking, need to root for Beyonce. Thinking of Beyonce She's as an underdog. It. But that's when the waterworks really <laughs> yeah, started for you. Yeah. Well, listen, Twitter, let's take it to the timeline. Which part of Homecoming makes you the most emotional? How many times have you watched it? Let us know using the hashtag AM to DM. She's just so wonderful. <laughs> oh, God. <buddy>. Okay. <laughs> Here's a tweet from Rebecca Traster. I'm so grateful that Lucy Flores insists on having a conversation about what her piece actually said and not what Joe Biden's defenders pretended that it said so it could be more easily waved off. That tweet is about an op-ed Lucy Flores wrote for BuzzFeed News and here's one of her tweets. 
Many have tried to excuse and explain away Biden's inappropriate behavior. It's time for a real conversation on consent. Well, Lucy Flores joins us now. We're excited to talk to her. Good morning, Lucy. Hi, good morning. Hi. First of all, thank you so much for coming forward and, and, and writing that first piece and, and, and now this op-ed. I think you've made a really important contribution to the public conversation. I hope so. I really do. Yeah. So uh, we'll start here. What are some of the more notable excuses you've heard um, about Joe Biden's behavior? That he's a hugger. Mm-hmm. And, and what was, you know, what was so awful about that is that it was just a complete dismissal, but also a complete mischaracterization, like an all-out falsity about what I actually talked about. And that's what was most frustrating about this conversation is that I would listen to commentary and I would listen to, uh, you know, even just conversation. And, and it was always about him being a hugger. And I would say to myself, like, did people not read like at all? You know, I mean, like, did you just, just kind of like hear someone comment and decide to just come up with your own without actually knowing what was said? And in my essay, I described this very intimate, very inappropriate, very unexpected um, touching this, you know, he put his hands on my shoulders. He came up behind me. So I wasn't even expecting it. He leaned in his body to mine. He smelled my hair. He kissed the top of my head all moments before I was supposed to give remarks at for, before hundreds of people at a campaign rally. That's not a hug. That's not even a friendly gesture. That is just weird and uninvited and creepy. And, and you know, it took me a long time to be able to frankly find the words, but also feel like if I actually said something, people might actually pay attention, you know? And, and so really the biggest thing for me was like, wow, I can't believe how minimized this became and how easily dismissed then we were able, you know, collectively to say, oh, well, he's just a hugger. She was offended because he gave her a friendly hug. And, And so I felt like I had to clarify the record and say it was absolutely not just a hug. Yeah, that is not what we are talking about. And it's like you said, the, the word that comes to my mind is unprofessional. Like yes. what an unprofessional. Exactly. Moment. That's exactly. it in your piece. You say that you don't consider what he did sexual harassment. Why is that? Well, first off, I I didn't it was it was really if people say, well, like what was going through your mind at that moment? And I I just because it was so unexpected, I really didn't know what was happening. You know, I you just it's the second most powerful man in the country. That's what I'm thinking in my head. It's like, this is, this is a, the vice president of the United States. At this point, he doesn't even have a name to me. Right. And I'm experiencing this and I'm just kind of thinking in my head, like what is happening? And so, you know, at the end of the day, I, I kind of like, as I processed it, I just felt like, you know, I don't think he meant anything sexual by it. I think that maybe he, I mean, frankly, I didn't know what he meant by it, but I just personally didn't feel like it was sexual. And so because, and I had to be honest about that, you know, like I I think what I've been hearing a lot from women, especially as they reach out to me, I mean, I started hearing from women and some men um, because this isn't just limited to women, right? This is a power dynamic and that people take advantage of. And so as I started hearing from people, you know, they would say the same thing. They would say, you know, that happened to me by a colleague or a boss or, or an old longtime friend. And I didn't know how to categorize it. I didn't know how to process it because 
it is, you know, it is on this low end of the spectrum, right? It's, it's not a rape. It's not sexual assault. And in my mind, it wasn't sexual harassment. Now, that being said, you know, the example I tried to give to people when you said that it was unprofessional is that if you put that same situation, if a CEO repeatedly did that same type of behavior and the person had a human resources, like obviously in politics, we don't have a human resources to go to. But if you have a human resources and you say, hey, you know, my, the CEO, he did this weird thing to me, they would say, hey, cut it out. And if the guy kept doing it, if the CEO kept doing it, then that would be a valid claim of sexual harassment. It would be considered a hostile environment. So that being said, I just had to be very honest about what the experience was for me. Mm. And that's what was always missing in this conversation. You know, that we had seen pictures and we had seen videos and we had seen even articles be written up about his, his behavior, you know, his acting in this inappropriate way specifically with women and 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 yet you know it was never it was never discussed and frankly nobody ever said hey this is what it feels like to be on the receiving end of that and, and to that end, um, of course, Joe Biden has been asked about this. He put out that video statement, Social Norms Have Changed. He said, this is what I wanted to ask you. What do you make of the fact that he has been joking um, about all of this at events, um, even after making his statement? I just, you know, I, I wrote about that also in my, in my essay, my follow-up essay with BuzzFeed. It was just humiliating, you know? It was just like, wow, you literally just told the world that you're taking this very seriously. He didn't apologize, but at the very least, he was willing to say, you know what? I recognize it. I'm going to take it very seriously and I'm willing to listen. He said that several times for literally the next day in front of hundreds of older white men because it was a labor union hall. For him to just nonchalantly, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is him joking about it. And he goes on to say like, I don't know, man. I mean, he literally said that. He shook his head and said, I don't know, man, you know, kind of like implying like this is, you know, I mean, it was just so dismissive and it was insulting. And to me, it was very clear that he wasn't taking very seriously at all. And frankly, that's just another thing that happens to women who speak out against powerful men. They're humiliated. They're, they're made fun of. They're dismissed. The behavior is dismissed. All of the attention is brought on the woman instead of the actual behavior. We're no longer discussing his behavior. We're talking about my motives and, and my character and, you know, and, and just like all these awful things that begin to, to happen to the person that speaks out. But I, I mean, to me, I think it's like, look, everybody needs to make their own, come to their own conclusions about whether or not they think his response is, is appropriate. And I obviously do not. And I think that most probably reasonable and rational people who've seen how he has handled this, I think would agree that he's not doing a very good job. Absolutely. I, I would argue it made him seem a little bit two-faced. I think in the modern political era, you can't get away with saying one thing in one room and then going and saying another thing in another room because there's video evidence of it yeah, now, my dude. Good point. So right. I want to ask you very quickly one question. Sure. Do you think Joe Biden should run for president? I have said that for me personally, this plus a bunch of other issues that I have with his record, his comments on Anita Hill saying that he wishes he could have done more, even though he could have because he's the he was the chair at the time of the uh, committee that oversaw that hearing, um, his anti-abortion positions that he'd taken in the past. There's there's a number of issues that I have with his record that makes it a disqualifier for me. 
That being said, I have been very, very clear that I think, look, all president, all people who are potentially going to run for president or have declared have to have their histories vetted in, in the exact same way. Everybody's history is fair game and everyone should then make their conclusions about whether or not that person deserves their vote. On their own. Well said. Well, thank you so much for your op-ed, Lucy, and thank you for coming on the show this morning. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Here's a tweet from Zoe Tillman. Here is Attorney General Bill Barr with Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein behind him. Quote, I am committed to ensuring the greatest possible degree of transparency concerning the special counsel investigation consistent with the law. Nitty. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So look, <laughs> All right. William Barr did his thing this morning. We're going to talk to Nitty Prakash about it. Nitty, good morning. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm doing all right. How are you guys? And we're doing all right. Now, the press conference ended kind of right as we were getting started here. So what happened this morning? Okay, so I think that a, a good way to kind of get into thinking about this press conference is to think about the last question that Bart was asked. So a reporter asked him, basically, isn't it kind of inappropriate that it looks like you're out here spinning before releasing the actual report? Because no one at this press conference has actually seen the report yet. To which Barr said no. But I mean, that is kind of what it looked like to a lot of reporters who were there this morning, because, yeah, no one's actually seen the redacted report yet. Yeah. At this point, uh, did he share any details about what we can expect from the report? So he reiterated some of the things that he said in the four-page letter that he released um, originally, uh, which is that he didn't find... His reading of the report was that there wasn't evidence that any members of the Trump campaign or the president himself colluded with Russia. Um, he used the specific phrase that the president has been using and he said, you know, there was no collusion. Uh, he didn't give any details in terms of any of those statements to kind of back them up. What he did say in terms of details is that the report goes over about 10 episodes that involve the president uh, that were being sort of assessed for whether or not um, they could be considered obstruction. Okay, but at the end of the day, none of us have actually seen even the redacted report yet. So Still walk right. us through the rest of what today looks like. When does Congress get to see this redacted report? And when do we? How shitty will our day be? Right. <laughs> so as far as we know, uh, Congress is supposed to be receiving the redacted report sometime between 11 and 12. Uh, some members of Congress will get the full report as far as I know. And then most of the members of Congress will get the redacted report the same that we'll get eventually. So basically the public will get the report at some point after Congress gets the report. So that's looking like any time after 12, after 11. So they're supposed to get it between 11 and 12. So they're supposed to get it between 11 and 12 and we're supposed to get it after. Sometime that. after that, yeah. Okay. Also, this is just an off the cuff question, but I saw that and we talked about this yesterday, actually. The Washington Post is um, encouraging people to pre-order uh, their version of, of the Mueller report that will be coming out today. And I just... I just, I don't like it. I, I think it's not okay. How does that sync with you? Do you feel differently? I mean, I think it's something that's going to be publicly accessible anyway. And it seems a little unnecessary to sort of brand it with a particular publication. So I, I think I'm sort of, I'm sort of with you on that. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for now. Nitty, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks so much. All right, we've got another great show for you. I'll be talking with Tony Baldwin and Sivan Alira Rose about Netflix's new show, Chambers. Obviously going to have to ask them a few questions about Scandal, though, as well. But up next, it's Fire Tweets. Fire! Fire! Okay, here's 
one thing I did want to say. Mm-hmm. We, we just talked to Lucy Flores um, about, you know, her, her writing about uh, Joe Biden and his inappropriate behavior. I want to say this. I love this man. He's my best friend. That's true. Okay? He is damn near soulmate. Mm. If Isaac ever came up and smelled my hair and mm. kissed the back of my head, mm. I, we would have a problem. Before a meeting. Before you gave Before, a presentation. Before like, like they're doing the kind of like, M5. Yeah. Or, what the? Have you lost your... I Do not let people gaslight you. Mm. If something makes you uncomfortable, mm. it makes you uncomfortable. And that is valid, yeah. right? I 100%. 100%. Oh, I think her example, just, her example of like if it had been in a workplace setting, right. like imagine you're about yeah. to give a presentation on, in front of an entire room mm. and the CEO just walked up behind you, smooched the back of your head and smelled your hair. Like, what? Y'all got me smooth fucking. That's wild. That's not a hug, my friends. That's not a hug. And again, you should still also ask permission to hug people because not everybody's a hugger. Even then. And you know what? If you're into it, great. (laughs) Give consent, though. All right. Let's get into the inspired tweets. This first one comes from Tiny Gorgon. The millennial version of two and a half kids and a picket fence is six house plants and new no room. Which yes. drag me. True. How many plants you got right now? It's about six. Uh, are you are you already saving for their college uh, funds? Are you putting away some money Actually, for it? A couple of them are dying. I don't know. It's harder than I thought to keep succulents alive. Succulents? Yeah. Those are the easiest kind. <laughs> Next, what, about, what about some cactus? You want some cactus? My cacti is dying. No. <laughs> I blast the reins down and Castamere tweeted, me, yo brain, what's this lady at work's name? I see her twice a week and have three years brain. I don't know. You want to know the Spanish word for shark though? Me, what? No, why would I need that? Brain, it's tiburon. I'm sorry for the record. Okay. We're getting thrown off because if you can't hear this, a fire alarm just started. Is there started. a fire drill happening? But it also feels like it fits with this tweet, which it's, is like the chaos in our brains. I was yeah. like, are we? There's no need for an evacuation. No need for an evacuation. That's good. You know what it is? It's because these tweets are so fire. (laughs) We set off the fire alarm. Keep it going, my man. Anyway, Charlie Warzel, here's your tweet. (laughs) Just remember that today is probably going to suck on here. Ooh, well done, Charlie. Very good timely tweet. Very good timely tweet. Release the unredacted tweet, you Uh, coward. (laughs) What could could it actually say? That could be I would like to believe that it's actually something really funny. That it actually says something incredible. Yeah, no, listen, (laughs) it's a lot of rushing to say maybe a lot of nothing. We're going to see. I'm used to white men. Bullshitting Both me stop. on bullshit. <laughs> I'm used to white men, period. No, I'm used to white men like bullshitting me on stuff where I'm like, I could read it for myself, but this is a whole new level, friends. <laughs> I'm like, you're just the, it's right there. I can just read it. Like, yeah. I don't need you to do your cliff notes thing for me. Anyway. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right. All right, you ready for tweet of the day? Nope. Tweet of the day comes from Oops, I Dad It Again. God, <laughs> you're a cuttlefish. Cuttlefish, yay, I love hugs. God, that's not what I meant. Cuttlefish, oh. God, you have eight arms and two tentacles. Cuttlefish for hugs? God, no, not for hugs. Cuttlefish, oh, also, you are venomous. Cuttlefish. <gasps> Danger hugs. Okay, so there's a lot going Danger on. Danger hugs. First of all, I wish you guys could have seen just the, the performance that just happened. I know you were it was looking beautiful. at the tweet. But secondly, this is Isaac. That's true. Isaac is a cuttlefish. I believe, I believe Princess Slaya actually retweeted this uh-huh. and said, Isaac as an animal. I mean... Absolutely. Also, look up pictures of cuttlefish. They are weird looking. They are. They are beautiful little <laughs> hug monsters. Don't listen to his bull. Don't. All right. All right. Coming up, Isaac is. 
<laughs> Isaac's gonna sit down with Tony Goldwyn and Savan Ali Ra Rose, stars of the new Netflix series Chambers, but we wanna talk about scandal. Mm. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but up next, uh, Stephanie is gonna talk with Allison Roman. Permission to cuttlefish you? Fine. tweet from Amanda Mall. I wonder how many packets of sugar in the raw have been boosted from Starbucks locations in the past year in the name of making Allison Roman cookies without buying two pounds of chunky sugar. Amanda, that is a life hack. Well, I am joined now by the one and only Allison Roman cook, New York Times cooking columnist and author of the best-selling cookbook, Dining In. You see her recipes everywhere. I think you're probably your most famous one. It's called The Cookies. Mm -hmm. Allison, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to start with a little bit about your journey. And you've talked a lot about dropping out of college, starting culinary school, and kind of taking this leap of faith, which I think is really inspirational seeing the way that your career has gone. Do you have any advice for people who are looking to make similar leaps? Yeah, um, I pretty much only exist in leaps. Um, and I, d- I didn't go to culinary school, which I think was a leap in and of itself. But I kind of just left college and decided to pursue cooking full time because that's what I wanted to do right then and there. And that's, I mean, ultimately a pretty selfish and short-sighted decision. But um, always just thinking, oh, I can go back to school if I really wanted to. And I, I never did. I never did want to. So I didn't. Um, But yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like instinct and listening to yourself is a huge part of it. And there are a lot of people that told me that that was all a bad idea um, every step of the way. And I feel like I had to push through and and kind of listen to myself and be like, that's what's right for me. And so, you know, I feel like if you don't exist for a leap of faith to yourself, like, I I don't know what else there is because you can't listen to anybody else. That's so true. You kind of just have to go with your gut. How do you get past the kind of the naysayers in your life? I mean, were your parents cool with it? What was... Um, Yeah, you know, I feel like there have been fewer and fewer every year that I live, and I think that's maybe just a product of getting older, but um, I think that it they had to kind of learn to trust me. Um, After each time I did something that made them really nervous, um, I think they tried to be supportive and say, here's why this is maybe not a great idea, but ultimately we we support you. And each time I did something that made them scared for me um, and it was successful or it worked out, I think they kind of learned that maybe I kind of knew what I was doing. And even when I didn't, or if I made a mistake, they're like, you're going to figure it out because you always do. So I don't know. I feel like you kind of have to like put blinders on and, and go forth. I think also you've created, obviously there's been many, you know, chefs before you in the world, but you've kind of created your own career and your own path to success. What is it like just kind of charting out on your own and making something that really no one's ever seen before? Um, it's terrifying every day. <laughs> uh, every morning is a nightmare. No, um, it is, it's hard. It's really hard. And I feel like people don't always talk about that. They're like, oh, it's just like effortless. And um, we're obsessed with things being effortless. And um, it's not. And it's a lot of work. And um, But it's really exciting. I think that when I was younger, I had a lot more to look to. Um, and also my goals were not as massive as I, I feel like they probably are now. And so it was easier to achieve and say, well, I want that. Or this person has that. Or that looks interesting. I'm going to pursue that. But now I kind of look around and there's less of that. So you kind of just think, okay, well, what do I want to do? What feels right for me? And then exploring those possibilities. But it's definitely a challenge. And there's definitely a lot of anxiety associated with doing something because you're not sure if people are going to like it. How are they going to respond? And um, it's one thing to do something because you know it's successful and people like it. And it's another thing to do something because you think it's going to be successful, but you're not, you don't know. And it's like taking those chances is exciting, but also terrifying. 
Yeah, I mean, putting yourself out there in any aspect is terrifying. Yes. And doing it <laughs> when no one else is doing it is extremely terrifying. Yeah, yeah. But obviously it's paid off. So, okay, moving on to cooking. Your whole cookbook, Dining In, is about making eating at home easy and fun and accessible. Yeah, yeah. I love that you say that you're not going to do like all these crazy recipes where you have to go to like five different grocery stores to find it. Um, you really want to get people and people our age, millennials, into home cooking. Yes. Do you have advice for people, especially in New York, not to call anyone out, who <laughs> they just don't cook because they say they don't have the time, they don't have the yes. patience for it, but maybe they want to start? Yeah, you know, I think that there's people that are never gonna cook. And because it's like a cool thing now, there's a lot of pressure to be like, I don't like to cook, but everybody says I should, I guess I should. If you don't like to, that's fine. But I recommend sort of treating it almost like, I don't know, like taking a ceramics class or like going ice skating. Like a thing that you do every now and then sort of as entertainment. Like you're like, I'm not a cook and I'm gonna order Seamless every night, but you know, next Saturday I'm gonna have people over, I'm gonna cook for them. And it might be a disaster, but it might also be great. Um, but in that process, like learning how to treat cooking, especially in your home for other people, as a form of your own entertainment and like a really nice way to spend your time. And it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to start being a meal planner and a, eat grain bowls every day. But, you know, kind of like this is a change from, you know, what I normally do, which is try to get a reservation at a restaurant or cram into a tiny space with eight of my friends. Like, I think just kind of shifting your perspective on what it means to cook. And it's not supposed to be unenjoyable. It's supposed to be really fun. And I think as soon as you kind of relax a little bit about it, it becomes a lot more fun. Yeah, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect. Okay, so as I said in the beginning, your recipes are kind of viral stars in their own right. We have the cookies, <laughs> we have the stew. What do you think it is about those recipes that's really resonated with people? Um, you know, they're both so different and they both came from completely different places. One was published in a book like with paper and that you buy at a bookstore. And the fact that that recipe became so successful on the internet kind of blew my mind. And I, I had not seen that before and I did not expect that to happen with any recipe, much less those cookies. Um, I'm really grateful and glad that it did. And obviously promotion through websites and you know the internet has contributed to that success because it was available for people that didn't even have the book. But you know, for that one specifically, I think that it had sort of this iconicness to it that people already were familiar with. Like, they know what a chocolate chip cookie is. You also know what a shortbread is. So the idea that this is sort of a combination of the two is easy for people to kind of say, like, oh, that's a twist on both of those things. And, um, you know, people love cookies. <laughs> but also, you know, I think sharing it with people that were making it and realizing that they all kind of look different or imperfect and people putting their own spins on them were really inspiring to home cooks and bakers, for sure. And they're so pretty and they taste great. They are really lovely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like... I've, I've made things that look better, and, and to me, they're very simple, but I think in that simplicity, um, they're kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, now I feel hungry. Well, Allison, thank you. <laughs> Allison, thank you so much for joining us. Pick Thanks up your copy me. of Dining In wherever books are sold and more AMC is up next. Hello, my queens. I am joined now by Brandon Maxwell, fashion designer, one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram. I love your dresses. Oh, uh, and the newest judge on Project Runway. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Okay, these glasses, first of all. It's very early this morning. <laughs> wow. But Are you not morning. a morning person? I usually am, but this morning was, I Girl, was really struggling. Same. Same. Mm. I, I feel that. I feel that. Um, so listen, you launched your brand in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, is there um, a specific idea or element that you feel like is essential for your designs? Well, I think it's really about classic 
powerful designs. I, I really started very sculpturally mm -hmm. and clean. And you know, I come from a super small town, so the idea that whatever you buy needs to be sort of rewearable. If you of spend $2,000 on a black dress, you mm -hmm. want to be able to wear it everywhere. Yeah. So that's kind of sort of the core idea from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And we were talking about this. I'm from Texas. You're yes, from Texas, yeah. which I love. Yeah. Um, has that informed like your, your yeah. fashion at all? Yeah, yeah it's everything. Um, you know, I think in the first couple of years when I started, I really did not lean into that because mm. I thought maybe people would not think it was cool. And obviously that's um, youth. But <laughs> as I've gotten older, I realized leaning into where I'm from really is what makes me who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I love Texas. I'm super proud. I have it tattooed right here with oh a little gosh. dot where I'm oh, where from. Oh, where Longview is. I love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so I never forget. I love it. That's yeah. so cool. Um, you've designed, I mean, for you've dressed incredible women, um, Meghan Markle, Michelle Obama, for example. Mm -hmm. What do you think about when dressing powerful women who you know have to live in the public eye? Well, I think what a great opportunity it is for us to be a part of their mm -hmm. day. You know, it's, it's obviously super exciting to be dressing them. Yeah. And it's like kind of blows my mind. <laughs> I agree. But I also <laughs> just think about all the young women who are seeing them mm -hmm. in that day. And, and it's I'm excited to just be a part of that. You know, women who are setting a great example. We need that now more absolutely. than ever. It's absolutely. super crucial. I yeah. absolutely agree. Um, is there a, a famous woman that you haven't gotten to dress yet that you'd like to? No, and you know, I've never been asked that question. Um, so, uh, God, that is the number one question I get. Seriously. Uh, really? Yeah, no, because I, I just don't really think like that. Uh -huh. I think, like, I'm sure, I, maybe I'm going to walk out on the street today and uh -huh. meet her. You know, I, you got to be open to that. any opportunity. Right on. I that's chance. a very nice Yeah, I, you don't, you don't want to dress someone because they're famous. You right, know what that's I mean? True. You want to dress them because you love them and appreciate what they do and you guys have a good rapport. See, this you is know? how we stand, Brandon. But call so. me if you feel like you're the one and you're out there and you're watching. <laughs> We say in a queen. We say in a queen. Um, mm. What's it been like uh, working with Project Runway? Did you were you a fan of the show before? Yeah, I watched it from the very beginning, okay. day one. Okay. Um, Carly Kloss, who mm -hmm. is the host the of the show, host, she yeah. always like says, "Oh, I, w I started watching it when it came out when I was twelve. Well, I was not twelve. Um, <laughs> I am gray haired and wearing spanks, so I was a little bit older than Carly, <laughs> and super happy to be sitting next to her when she's like six two, and I'm just like." Um, but yeah, I love it. It's mm -hmm. it's incredible. It's you know they're all really good friends. Carly is one of my best friends, oh, okay. and yeah, and As all you do, Carly, yeah, you know, my and everybody on the show I've worked with forever and known, and it's just a great experience. I mean, I had never been on TV before, okay. though, so I was the only one. You're very good at it. I would have oh, thought thank you. Thank you. I do. Like to drink a little in my, you know, before I go out there. Sometimes I'm just kidding. Can you imagine? It's like nine o'clock in the morning. Imagine. <laughs> it'd be, I'm having coffee. It'd make a very interesting. It's good. You know, I'm get used to. It's yeah. like you have to get used to totally. it. It takes a minute of yeah. time to have all the cameras around right. you. But now I love yourself. it. I live yeah, here. Do. I'm gonna host he's, this show He's taken over. He's our new yeah. host of AM to DM, y'all. Brandon Maxwell. Yeah. Get into him. Um, what is? Is there um, a? Is, is there a common mistake young designers make, either on the show or just as you're just observing? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Rant. Okay, Jeez, so I talk a lot on the show. I, I guess I say reveal a lot, okay. which is I'm always talking about a reveal, which I started saying sarcastically because mm -hmm. I sit next to Nina, and I think she really gets when mm -hmm. I'm saying sarcastic things. I was not aware that they were film, They were recording that. Oh, okay. So that's sort of become a thing on the show. But I do think when you have such a small amount of time, mm. why throw like something on top of it that you then have to remove on the runway? That's not a reveal. That's okay. just wasting my time, mm. really. We you also know what learned I mean? that on Drag Race. I feel you. Yeah, because it's like... It's, there's no payoff. Right. It's like you have a small amount of time. Show us what you do really well. And, and I'm making those comments sometimes because like they'll throw something over and then remove it, but like the pants weren't hemmed. And I'm like, mm. but step one, we hem the pants, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. 
They forget the basics. It's for their best interest. Y'all better listen. Better learn. Um, I also want to ask, going through the Instagram, uh, follow him on Instagram because you get the dresses. You also get the life, you and your mom. And, and I stand. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed. Thank you. Um, but also, you have a lot of pictures with Naomi Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, which is like a goddess. I didn't know she spent time with mortals. So what's she like? <laughs> like, what's something about Naomi Campbell that you know that we might not expect? Um... Naomi Campbell, I would say, of all the things that she is, she's probably one of the most loyal people I've ever met in my life. She's loyal, like, to the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she has just kind of helped me through a lot of really? things. Yeah, and she's always a good, you know, she's been through everything. Yeah. And for me, when I was starting out, she was always there to boldly say, I think this is the wrong choice, or I think mm. this is the right choice. And, you know, to have Naomi Campbell doing that for you is pretty great. And But the thing is, is that she's really walked that walk. She's been there every step mm-hmm. of the way. So yeah. she's I'm lucky to have her in my life. Incredible. And someone else, I saw a lot of pictures of you and Lady Gaga. Yeah. How, what's she like? What's the tea? She's amazing. Who's more loyal, her or Lady Gaga? Or her or Naomi Campbell? Well, Gaga I've been best friends with for a decade. Oh, so, yeah. Life. I mean, that's, you know, that's like my sister. So, I love it. yeah, it's a good relationship. Incredible. It's a good one. Okay, she's, now yeah, I'm, and she's like, you know, she's incredible. See, what is there I, now, to say? What's there? Now I, say, I want to show where it's like Brandon, Lady Gaga, and Naomi Campbell hanging out in Texas. Oh, you want to show? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. go to we'll Long Pitch it. I'm in. I'd watch it. Come on, Netflix. I feel you're like watching. If you make shows and you're watching this, <laughs> call me. I'm like not busy doing anything. After this, I'm leaving. I'm done. I don't have anything to do Just after chill. this. Yeah. Super chill day. I could film. Yeah. Incredible. All right. Well, next we're going to talk about the Mulder report. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. well, I'm out. See ya. <laughs> Thank you for coming, <laughs> yeah. Brandon. Thank you so much. Guys, of course, you can watch Project Runway on Bravo Thursdays at 9 p.m. You know me, love, and follow me on Instagram and Twitter, too. Up next, more AM to DM. I'm not sure what's happening next, actually. We'll find out together. Can I take this off? Pretty good intro music. Welcome back. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with actors Tony Goodwin, Goldwyn, apologies, and Savon Oliva Rose, stars of the new Netflix series Chambers. Good morning, guys. How are we? Good morning. Great. You guys have such great chemistry. I'm like already cracking up. He's, we do. Yeah, I don't know. He's chill. We were just I like saying, chill people. <laughs> you were just saying? She's going with, she was talking about preferring Scary Spice, mm-hmm. and um, she thinks of me as Creepy Spice. Yeah. Oh, is that, that's the, so, like, that's the dynamic why, here? I don't know why, but that's... Well, I, I don't think creepy is, like, a bad thing. I don't mean, like, oh, he's a creep, but, like, he's creepy. I mean, this show and is... I'm scary. This and show is a little creepy. creepy. You keep saying that. I... This show is a little creepy. <laughs> this show is a little creepy. <laughs> and scary. Yes. And also... Okay. And you might okay. think I'm a little creepy okay. in the show, but... Ben Lefevre is creepy. How about that's that? That's my character on to, the show. Yeah. To me, I thought that And he's not creepy. He's scary. Tell us what Jamie... He's Tell- creepy to I he's creepy to to Are you gonna take my scary you. brand? You can well, take yeah. this game. Oh, so tell, tell you about the show. Yeah, tell us about Chambers. <laughs> okay, um, you do. You go. Okay, so it's about you. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so Chambers is follows the story of Sasha Yazi, who I play, and she has a heart attack and mm-hmm. receives a heart transplant. And the heart and all of its dark mysteries and tales then conspire and influence her life in many ways. And it brings her into the Ben and Nancy Lefevre household. And the heart donor mm-hmm. was They're, our daughter. Yes. Uma Thurman mm-hmm. and I play the parents of the girl who died and gave Sasha her heart. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, and it kind of goes from there. Do you have an interest in metabolic trauma? Like, is like what brought you to the script? Also, shout out to the heart yes. patch. Don't right? Think it's, don't think it's gone on. That's how we got into the Scary Spice uh, yes. conversation. whole conversation. Yes, Scary Spice all the way down. <laughs> we're here for it. Yeah, was there, but like, had you heard of it? Did, did you know that this was something that sometimes like there's, there's uh, metabolic trauma is a real thing when you read the script? I did not know that I heard that. 
uh-huh. afterwards, but I did not know that. Did you know that? I am a trained medical assistant. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, in high school. No uh, kidding. I had dreams of being a doctor before, uh, you know, anything. Uh, the creative field scares parents. Uh-huh. So medical field goes, you know. Yeah. I went that way. And um, so I have a huge, deep fascination with anatomy of the body, and I find it very beautiful and very, like, it's very interesting and so deep and so many thousands of wires connecting so many things. So approaching this story and the way we approach it, I was just happy all the way through. Because it's a deeply fascinating and like very morbid uh, field of medical technology, uh-huh. but it's one of the like fastest advancing ones. I love medical technology. Like- but that's one of the things about this show that's so cool, I think, is that, so, you know, as Savan mentioned, she gets this heart. Mm-hmm. And she starts to have these very bizarre associations with the dead girl. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. as we sort of were mm-hmm. grieving parents and want to bring her into our life, and we're these this affluent family, and she's from a you know less affluent mm-hmm. you know uh, community, and and we want to kind of bring her in and give her everything and really make her a surrogate daughter, which is freaking her out. Hence the creepy. The creepy. But the thing that's cool about what our creator Leah Rachel <laughs> did is these seemingly supernatural uh, visions and associations that, that Savant's character, Sasha, is having, you're not sure if it's just metabolic trauma mm-hmm. and if there's a real explanation for it or if it actually is supernatural and scary spice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing this because that's how that's how Chambers is going to leave you. No, just for the record, that's how like, I felt watching the preview. The like, story I was just like, is so, it has like a lot of really unique layers, I think, mm-hmm. because on the outside, it has its uh, tropes and it has its like stereotypes looking on the outside. Poor girl, rich girl, white girl, brown girl, but like none of that is actually existent in the show. Like the actual like storyline, it's mm-hmm. a demon. It's a demon. It's about. It's some scary shit going on. It's It's about some scary shit. It's some scary shit going on affecting these two families. Yeah. And we have, we touch the conversations of, you know, I come from the poor side of the world and they come from the rich side of the world, but Becky and Sasha are like the same person. Right. uh, Within like what they enjoy as like teen girls. And it breaks down. Yeah, 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 I got it. It breaks down all the walls of that. Like, we're not trying to be like, ooh, evil white people and ooh, scary rich people. Just like the creepy white people. Yeah, it's it's, it's a story just about people. But let's talk real quick. You mentioned Uma Thurman. Like, you've got some heavy hitters yourself Mm -hmm. included on the show. And then there's also a lot of rising stars. Mm -hmm. So, what was the dynamic like on set? I think everyone was just wanting to put in like 100% and make something honest and make something collaborative and just something everyone was going to feel good with. Mm -hmm. And I never, I don't know, from you and Uma, I never got like, oh, they're, you know, way up here and better than me. They've always made me feel like uh, confident, like go and do your work. We're here with you and we're all working. So just do the work. Are there? there That that, that was the coolest (laughs) thing for Uma and I and, you know, another Lily Taylor's and the Mm -hmm. show's a great actress. She's amazing. Um, And so for us to have, just speaking for myself, I was so turned on by all of these young actors that we have in this show who are amazing. You know, Savant's incredible in it, but there's just all of these people that I, who are just, you know, you're 19, but I mean, they were were like in their early 20s. And so gifted and... uh, Keanu Simpson. And Kiki is Keanu is so amazing. And and, uh, there's a whole group that people are going to discover in this. So that was super inspiring yeah. to me and Uma. Were there any, like, like did you pick up any lessons from Tony and, or Uma? Of or did, course. And did you pick up any lessons from all these rising stars? Yes. Of course. They, uh, they I, I just watched them work and observe as I do. And uh, Uma would throw me actor nuggets, you know, little 
get some knowledge, you know, and then he would also just give me advice and we'd have conversations about like stuff I had anxiety over and it just helped everything just move, help everything flow. Yeah. Yeah. And from our point of view, I think at least speaking from, from me, what, you know, seeing Sivan work and I got to work with her both as an actor and a director because I directed one of the episodes and, um, working with somebody who, uh, is starting out in their career who yet has so, is so tuned into her own instincts. Mm. And this is true of a lot of the young mm. actors. They just are uh, so, um, uh, they listen to themselves in a kind of a deep way where sometimes actors like me and Uma or whoever, if you've been doing it for many years, you can kind of develop a bag of tricks. Mm. You know, that you mm. go, okay, this is what's required. I know what this mm-hmm. is. And then you kind of do it, but you realize, you know what? I'm not really discovering this in, in, in an authentic way. So. Working with these guys was just a, a daily reminder of like, no, that's bullshit. It's almost you inspiring. Be, it, it, no, it was very inspiring yeah. and instructive, and uh, and made me jealous of like, why wasn't I that good when I was nineteen <laughs> years old? <laughs> that's what, I'm starting to think you're nice, spice. All right, that's all I'm saying. I'm starting to think you're nice, spice. I mean, we got to talk just a little bit about scandal, real quick. All right, okay. just real quick. Uh, is it hard for you not to be going back to that set? I mean, we were talking about such a groundbreaking show, especially a show yeah. that had a black female lead after mm-hmm. there hadn't been one on a network for decades. Do you miss it? I just went from a black female lead to a Native American female lead. Rock and so roll. So that's my that's my jam. Um, uh, uh, it's it's not look. Scandal had was perfect in its in its kind of uh, shape. We had seven years. It ended in a very purposeful way. A year ahead of time, Shonda was like, "This is how I'm going to finish." We knew, you know, it was that we were all grateful it didn't sort of go on forever and start to degrade in quality. Mm-hmm. So that was awesome. So I don't. I'm I'm glad it ended when it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really miss the people because mm-hmm. we really. It was just an incredible group and. But we talk and see each other all the time. We have a text chain daily that what? fires off. <laughs> you have a group text. Oh yeah, and um, and I we I've we all we see each other. You know, as as often for people who are scattered all over the planet, we do stay in really close touch. So that's, that's a beautiful. That's thing. so awesome. And like, but like I said, it was the, it was this driving force, this uh, breaking through. Savan, do you find yourself? Do you find that there are more roles out there for you right now? Or do you find that there's more diverse roles that you, um, you know, can, can go and tackle? Are you encouraged by it? Or do you think there's still a long way to go? I think there's a long way to go in representation. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have to really deconstruct the idea of, like, putting someone in a role and thinking of, like, the skin color first as, like, the base mm-hmm. of, like, that that tells the story. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of roles I've read that I was like, yeah, I could do that. Mm-hmm. But me being uh, ethnic somehow... Just didn't work with the story, I guess. You know, mm. backline, plotline, whatever you know happened to hold support what they were envisioning for the main girl. Mm-hmm. But it just all I know is I'm going to keep working, and I hope that Hollywood keeps working with me. And uh, there's more representation, and everyone just finds their space and finds their like grounding here. There's a lot of pressure now. Yeah. Like, honestly, I mean, someone in the business and um, in the sometimes the producing side of the business, there is really good, I mean, there's a long, long, long way to go because Sivan is the first Native American actress to be the lead of a series. That so is that, incredible. That tells you a lot. Yeah. But, um, so there's a long way to go, but it is absolutely in the front of every conversation mm-hmm. when you're pitching a project or, or so they're about to greenlight a project, they say, can we cast this in the most mm-hmm. diverse way possible? Can we make the, the lead role a woman? Can yes. we... You know, make it, so that is there's a lot of pressure finally on um, corporate America, at least mm-hmm. in Hollywood, to 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 
to really make real progress. And I'm glad that you said finally, because what a welcome <laughs> change that mm -hmm. is. Savan, Tony, thank you so much, guys, thank for you. coming on. Congrats on Chambers. I'm Thanks. so looking forward to it. It looks very creepy and very scary. I'm spook you. But I think you are both <laughs> very nice. You were definitely going to spook you. I'm ready. I'm ready. Thank you guys so much. Chambers premieres on April 26th on Netflix. Don't miss it. Up next, we're talking to presidential candidate Tim Ryan. And I like... Back. We are here with Ohio Representative and 2020 presidential candidate Tim Ryan. Hello, morning. good morning. Hi. Good morning. You're having quite a morning, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Our man, we're gonna, one of those. Listen, we're all about transparency here. Our yeah. man has a flight to catch at 1210, so we're going to keep and, it. And my phone's dying. And, so I got to get a car. And my we got to get charged. 3%. I, I don't even know where my phone is right now. Yeah. Someone ha out in the. Somebody out there is going to charge it. But that means we got to hit these yeah. questions let's quick. Go. So let's Bring talk it. about it. Bring Mueller it. Report this morning. Any feelings? How are you feeling about it? Are you looking forward to seeing the unredacted Mueller Report? Yeah, can't, you can't wait to see it. What about and the redacted then, Mueller Report? Uh, I, I hope it's not too redacted. We need a lot of transparency, but hopefully uh, we can then you know move on. I want to get back to talking about jobs, the economy, wages, health care, the anxiety that's out in our society today. We gotta focus on that. That's the real issue. If you were to become president and there was another situation like this, would mm -hmm. you be open to all all reports, any from any special counsel, always being unredacted, released to the public? It should all be uh, unredacted. Mm -hmm. It should be completely transparent, but for protecting the names of sources that you could potentially put their lives in jeopardy. Okay. I think that would be the only exception I would have. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, earlier this morning, we were talking to Lucy Flores. Uh, of course, mm -hmm. we've spoken about her interactions with Joe Biden and his inappropriate mm -hmm. uh, touching. Uh, do you think his history of inappropriately touching people should disqualify Biden from running for president? I think that's between him and the voters, quite frankly. Um, you know, he obviously has his style that seemed like it crossed the line mm -hmm. on, on a few people. They spoke up. I'm glad we're in a position where women feel uh, heard, mm -hmm. they listened to and heard. I think that's a big step in the right direction, but the, ultimately that's between the vice president and the voters. Okay. Um, well, well, to that point, I gotta tell you, a lot of white guys are running for president. Sure. Really? I don't know if you've heard. No, I have uh, not. <laughs> how, how are you different than any of the rest of them? I've, I've uh, understand and have a plan dealing with the enormous amounts of anxiety and pressure and anxiousness that's in our society today, whether it's the economic anxiety that's out there, anxiety around health, uh, wellness, criminal justice. We got big plans for the country, but I understand what people are going through. I've been in a working class district my whole life, and I think the first thing we have to do is really understand how difficult it is right now. People are just surviving. And I think they want a president who's going to put an agenda forth that allows us to thrive, thriving communities, thriving, or have our kids thrive, and allow us to thrive economically in the United States. And I'm, I have those plans, and I can't wait to continue to talk about them. Yeah, speaking of your district, speaking of Ohio, mm -hmm. uh, a very controversial anti-abortion law has just gone into effect. Yeah. Do you think that it will be upheld uh, with the, the Supreme Court the way it is now? I have no idea, but you know, this is what happens when we keep losing elections, then we can't get a, anybody on the Supreme Court that protects a woman's right to choose. Ohio's been nasty about this over the last you know, several years. One of the worst uh, states in the union when it comes to women's health. And, uh, you know, I'm worried. I'm worried that the Supreme Court is so conservative on some of these issues. I really am. That laws like this might be upheld. Let me ask you, you, you were at one point in your career, though, anti-abortion. And, yeah. and some people have said that you switched as you sought higher office. You're now yeah. seeking the yeah. highest office in the <laughs> I land. I can't imagine anyone 
would be that cynical. What is that? Is that what you say? Then what changed your mind? If it wasn't, yeah. if it wasn't yeah, that, it's a great question, and I, I totally understand, and I appreciate people asking it and asking uh, the, the hard questions. I don't really think it's a hard question. Experience. I I came in as a Catholic school kid uh, from Northeast Ohio who didn't think a whole lot about the issue and went in the Congress pro-life. Mm-hmm. And as I opened up my mind and I started meeting women who actually were in these really difficult circumstances uh, over the course of my 17 years in Congress, my opinion changed that there should not be uh, anyone from the federal government in between a woman and her doctor, period, uh, end of story. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not talking, but it- you said you like when you were in Congress, you started speaking to women who had these experiences. But I mean, surely you were speaking to women who had these experiences before. Not really. No. I mean, no, not really. I mean, it wasn't an issue that I dealt with. It wasn't an issue I talked about a lot. And then I got into Congress and I started working on an issue with Rosa DeLora. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pro-life. She was pro-choice, really on how to get contraception out to mm-hmm. women. And then I started meeting women. I started working very closely with NARAL. Mm -hmm. And you'll see leaders in NARAL kind of watched. And they were very open-hearted to me, explaining to me about, Mm -hmm. you know, how these things happened and Mm -hmm. what was really happening on the ground. So it was was one of those things. You know, you live and you learn and you experience. And I hope at that point you have the courage to change. We appreciate growth here for sure. Sure. Um, Listen, we're obviously a Twitter show. Uh, So I, (laughs) and and if you didn't know, uh, we're not on Facebook. Uh, So I was looking at both of your Twitter accounts because you have your your official Twitter account and then your personal Twitter account. And and I got to tell you, friend, they are boring. Yes. They are boring. You are not the first person to say that. Okay, well, when are you going to start listening to this? Why are they so boring? What is wrong with you? I need some campaign manager mode over here. Do you not have dogs you can tweet about or something? I hear people love tweeting about their dogs. I got my dogs. That's such a good answer. Come on. He's like, you want to see the dogs, you got to go on Instagram. (laughs) Do you think you'll loosen it up just like a little bit? It's getting a little slow. Do you think? Wow. Wow. What about about just like an avatar update or something? Oh, yeah. You've got to change your avatar. Okay. You've got to change your avatar. Can we do that? to get advice. This is open source campaigning. Yeah, we're very practical. Open source campaigning. (laughs) New power, baby. There is is a lot of focus on policy on your Twitter feed. It is dry, but there is a lot of that. Boring. Variety spoke with Cardi B about Mm. your policies. We're going to take a look real quick. You're you're very excited about this. Let's take a look. As a matter of fact, I was watching the news and I saw like this guy named Tim Ryan and his his speech was very convincing to me. He really wants to give the United States free um, health care. So that's a big plus. We need health care. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't. I didn't hear that. Can you play that again? <laughs> oh, no, see, sir, sir oh. I heard you have a plan to catch, <laughs> yeah. so we can't play it again. Yeah, 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 but yeah. no, they, look, it's really nice to see that your policies are out there, and of course, healthcare is one of the most, if not the most important issues out there right now. Let me ask you, if you're elected president, yeah. which cabinet position will you give Cardi B? Oh, I mean, I don't think there's any question about it, but Secretary of Commerce. <laughs> we need her. We, yeah, we need her out there developing business and enterprise. That's a good answer. I'm not going to complain. Did you really say that, Tim? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Did, did you see her? I was saying press When she did the Instagram thing, when she was all about like all the economics, she's yeah, amazing. Yeah, just cut, cuts through. She knows yeah, money. Yeah, she cuts through. Um, I money. Want, <laughs> I did want to pass along a question from one of our Twitter viewers. Uh, Nichelle said to ask you about voter suppression because mm-hmm. she feels it's usually only uh, candidates of color who 
who were asked mm, about it. So yeah. what are you doing to fight voter suppression? Well, we passed this first initiative mm -hmm. uh, in Congress, H.R. Uh, 1, so I was very supportive of that. I think we need to keep going down this road. In Ohio, we've been dealing with this for a long time, mm -hmm. uh, going back to like uh, the, the bush Kerry race, uh, where there is a systematic attempt to suppress right. people of color and students, hmm. and I'm adamantly against it, and we're gonna make sure that we're doing everything we need to do through the Attorney General and everything else uh, to make sure that votes aren't being suppressed in the United States. It's pretty fundamental. It's a long road ahead, but Representative Ryan, I know you got that plane to catch. Thank you so <laughs> now much. Now I'm having fun, I'm like, I'll get, like, I'll get, the, that's I'll how get the next one. That's how Thank you very much, on, guys, appreciate it. Two more dogs on the Twitter timeline. Up next, we're reading <laughs> more of your tweets. Don't I, go away. I want a better avatar from you, there, yeah. I want some personality, <laughs> I want some color. <laughs> Welcome back. I uh, just want to start with this tweet from Blasian FMA. You said, if you can't keep your phone charged, how are you going to govern the United States? Oh. That, that tweet, obviously, we're just talking to Tim Ryan, Representative Tim Ryan. Uh, that said, I'm going to say this. He is so not making his flight. I get a I'm lot of, no, I think, he, I think he is making his flight, and I'm going to say this. I, I am very capable. I get a lot of things done. My phone is usually living in that 15% realm as well. You, you do do that, and it stresses me out. When he's president of the United States, he's going to have somebody to take care of that, so don't worry. Also, I just saw Rachel Hey Girlfield, just a response to Blasian, said, on the plus side, not much tweeting, which... <laughs> I could go for that in a president right now. I mean, listen, if y'all want a president who doesn't tweet crazy, Tim Ryan is certainly your person. It's <laughs> very reasonable. But he's definitely not making his flight. He's going to start boarding in 20 minutes. No way. New York City. It. Let's take a bet. All right, let's, let's take a bet. And then we'll get we'll see if we'll get him to tweet on it. All right, let's do <laughs> it. All right, well, here's a tweet from Jen. Uh, you tweeted about Tony Goldwyn. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Tony Goldwyn plays too many creepy characters for my taste. The creepiest all, Fitzgerald Grant on Scandal. He Fitz was creepy. Once you're the bad guy on Ghost, you know, like that's Which, gonna, like, was like 30 years ago? No, I'm just saying. Doomed that, him? Like that, not doomed. He's just, he, one, he's incredibly nice in person. I just want to say that. He was super sweet. He was Very wonderful. Tall. But I can see there's like, he's really good at that kind of energy that we're talking mm -hmm. about here, right? And I think that's what Savon was trying to get at too, right? Mm -hmm. His characters are very good at that, like, mm -hmm. we're a little sexy, mm -hmm. we're a little creepy. Mm -hmm. Don't trust us. I've moaned a lot just now. Um, <laughs> well, my, you're, you're a big a scandal. You were a big scandal. I, I was a big scandal fan. I have a grudge against him, though. Uh -huh. I don't like Tony Goldwyn. Do you remember why? No. Because Tony Goldwyn was a guest on BuzzFeed News' election night show in 2016. And I just remember seeing him and seeing him standing in the room. He was, like, really great on the show. And it, right after I noticed, like, oh, Tony Goldwyn is when everything went crazy. Okay, that's never not, forgive him for that's it. That's not Tony's never fault. Never forgive him that's for it. That's not Tony's fault. <laughs> Rachel Hey Girlfield, you tweeted this after we talked with Lucy Flores. Thanks, Lucy, for speaking out on what actually happened rather than the spin to make it sound like a quick hug. Yeah. Lucy, what a wonderful guest. Lucy Flores is brilliant. She's mm -hmm. a brilliant mind. Um, and I, I, I hope we also get to like see more of the work she does. I mean, it's frustrating when this happens that, as she said, you know, these experiences become the lens through which we see the women and talk about the women who speak up, right? But she's also very smart. She was running for governor, actually, when this happens, right? So I think she's also one of the fiercest political minds we have in our country, you know? Mm. And we should honor that. Um, so the redacted Mueller report just dropped. Oh, Got a push notification from the New York Times. Always love that. 
Uh, it's 448 pages. Uh, and I just, just a message to everyone. You know, stay safe out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twitter's going to be trash uh, from here on out. It, it's been great until now. But I, I just, you know, we had homecoming, didn't we? We, we had. Did, man, that's 24 hours. Bless Beyonce Beyonce for that. Beyonce gave us a good 24 that's hours. That's right. Be, and now it's over. My only advice I would say is redact the things you need to redact today. <laughs> be like the Mueller report, my friend. You don't need to see something in it today. Redacted. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into that. All right, here's another tweet. This comes from Kirsten Baptiste. I feel like we've been reading tweets for like 20 minutes. Uh, you tweeted, Kirsten, uh, Isaac is definitely the human form of a cuttlefish. <laughs> there is definitely a hidden danger, but hugs nonetheless. To which I say, hidden? <laughs> the danger is not hidden with this. No, part. are you kidding me? It sure is. Danger hugs. That's all I'm saying. Danger hugs. Listen, before we go, thank you, Kirsten. That's the nicest thing somebody said about me all so week. Sweet. I love <laughs> the idea that I look. Oh, no, you said something. I think so. All right, before we go, we have a new lower third T-shirt poll. Vote for either Tuesdays are the hangovers of the weekly calendar, mm. although I will say Thursdays are making the case today. T G I H. Thank God it's homecoming. I love that one. Mm. And a classic. Breaking us. Mm. All right, we will reveal the winner tomorrow, but vote on these. Which one do you want to wear around town? Do you have a favorite? I mean, for me, it is TGIH. I Really? But yeah. mine, it's Tuesdays. Tuesdays are just terrible. It's <laughs> really awful days. And I think that is, that's, there it is. We know. I'm like, I want the optimistic one. You're like, I want the one that's. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've been, t- I'm definitely not an optimist. Isaac absolutely is. <laughs> anyway, it's a whole thing. Thank you to all of our guests today. <laughs> I think people know. I think they, going, I, you guys going. might have picked up on my <laughs> cynicism. Anyway, thank you, Lucy Flores, Nitty Prakash, Brandon Maxwell, Allison Roman, Stephanie McNeil, Representative Tim Ryan, who I got to tell you, you know, he was pretty charming. He was. He was pretty charming. He, he um, had good answers. When he said it was Twitter's born, he was like, check out my Instagram. <laughs> it's really Damn. Funny. Tony Goldwyn, Savan, Alira Rose, thank you all. They were wonderful. <laughs> we will be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Guess what tomorrow is, gang? It's Friday. Oh, You're God. doing it. Redact what you got to redact. We'll see you tomorrow. We're doomed. <laughs> we're not doomed. We're doomed. <laughs>